Traveling the Vortex We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrived at episode 546. I'm Keith, call sign Great Dane One. <laughs> well, you didn't tell me we were all going to need call signs. <laughs> <laughs> See how quick you are on your feet? Not. I'm Sean. Doesn't he mix that up one the, one other time, too? Springer Spaniel one? That's right. Springer Sp- Spaniel. That was the other one. D- D- Dalmatian one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Glenn. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Oh, you're not even going to try. You're just going to leave it out there and just, just trail off like that. I'm Glenn. Just leave it. I did. I did the. I asked about the other one, and Keith gave it to me. Well, now you have to say it. What'd you guys do this week? <laughs> <laughs> we watched Quantum Mania. Oh, finally! Oh, you finally got to see it. Finally got to see it. What'd you think? Eh, it, it, it was is um, it was pretty. Um, oddly enough, it reminded me a lot of uh, Strange World, as far as you know, both being this very um, flowing, organic, colorful, um, you know, landscape that they find themselves in. Um, but honestly, mm-hmm. other than that, I was really kind of underwhelmed by it. Um, we, we kind of, um, I don't think it was necessarily a good Ant-Man vehicle because for the most part, he really took a back seat to the events. It was more, you know, Janet and the Van Dynes and, and, and everything that was going on with them. And, um, he really didn't play a, a big role in the story. And then when you got to the, the climax at the end where he does, uh, play a bigger part, it just kind of felt like, I don't know, how spoilery do we want to get? I mean, I know you guys have seen it, but. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're it's what? A month out, out, month and a half out. Spoiler. Spoiler warning. I, spoiler warning. <laughs> I, I, I kind of feel like they should have killed him off. I, I love Paul Rudd. I love Ant-Man as a character, uh, but the, the, the fight sequence and, you know, the portal and all that jazz, I feel like they kind of robbed us of the weight of that moment where he, 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 you know, could have sacrificed himself to stop Kang. And maybe that would have made Kang a little more fearsome because we, we honestly, we had to go and look up the wiki page for Loki to kind of remember why Kang was supposed to be so bad because I don't feel like they did a very good job of explaining it in the movie. And then when we were like, Oh, he was the head of the TVA and this, that, and the other thing I was like, okay. And then he, he really wasn't, but it kind of set up for what will come. But at the same time, this is the Kang that got exiled because of that. I don't know. And then I, I liked MODOK in a way. It was vastly different from the MODOK that, uh, you know, Patton Oswald brought to us in the, the mm-hmm. goofy well, show. Of course. And I think that was part of the reason why they canceled that show so that people didn't. Yeah. I mean, weren't I expecting knew, that. And I knew that, they, I think they knew that the way that they were getting ready to do it in this movie was going to be goofy enough that I don't think they wanted to muddy any more waters because they already were going to be on the probably war path of those people that were upset that it wasn't like the comics. So. Right. And, you know, honestly, I, it kind of worked for me because Modoc yeah. being, I mean, when you look at it, it's like, well, he's, I mean, he, he's, yeah. a, he's a floating head in a chair, but he's also this kind of tech genius, but he's not really, because all he does is put his name on other people's work. Well, man, that is Darren, left, right, and center. That's, that's all <laughs> over him. So, yeah, this kind of works for me. But at the same time, the visual 
of him having this kind of weird stretched face didn't work for me. And there wasn't quite enough explanation of why being crushed and thrown into the quantum world did that to him. I don't know. It was just, it, it, it had ups and downs. And I think on the whole, it just didn't quite work for me. But maybe that's just general Marvel fatigue kicking in. No, there's no such thing. The um, <laughs> no, well, no, I, no, no, I'm no. sure you there is. <laughs> listen, listen to the Five Is Fangirls um, podcast that I guessed it on, and Chrissy puts it so eloquently why that's not a thing. But uh, that being said, I I kind of see your point of the Scotland death thing. I don't think I personally don't think it was necessary. I think I was a little, maybe slightly disappointed that they so easily got out of the quantum realm i think what they needed to do is end up stranding them there and i think that would have given it the emotional weight and impact that it needed at the end in order to make the stakes higher and worth it um i don't know that they needed to kill him and i think that ultimately i think the reason why they're keeping him around is because they've they've lost so many you know they've lost Downey Jr. They've lost Chris Evans. They've you know obviously they can pay him enough probably to bring Evans back. But I think they've got a lot of the anchors missing now, and I think that they want to keep at least one of the fan favorites around for the next uh, Avengers film. And so I think that's why they're keeping Scott around as kind of an anchor point. Um, yeah, but and that's very true. I had they stranded him, I think that would have also given it a little more weight. You also, know, we don't necessarily have to kill him off. Exactly. But. Had they stranded him, then they could have figured a way to get him back out for Avengers. I mean, they did that one other time, and maybe they felt mm-hmm. that that was you know one and too done, and, and it would have been too yeah redundant. But uh, yeah, no, I think that they, I think they could have stranded him there. Yeah, no, I didn't hate it. I just it, it wasn't. Uh, I wasn't was, among my. It was top better than waves. Thor: Love and Thunder for certain. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> We watched uh, Tetris. Have you guys seen that? Mm-mm. Oh my gosh! No, not yet. That is so much fun. It's really good. I I don't know how much of it is. I mean, I think all of it is true. It's based on a true story. I think the majority of the 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 concepts and ideas there, the, what happened, were. I think it's obviously been, you know, indulged a little. They've taken poetic license for the drama and tension, but it's it's a it's 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 a fun movie, but it's also really intense and sort of you know behind the iron curtain espionage ish uh just cold war dealings and it's just it's amazing how they were able to get the rights out of that uh out of the country and how much backroom stuff was happening in order to to get those rights it's a lot of fun it's 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 really well done and i never can remember the kid um that's playing yeah him he's so good i sure enjoy him in everything he does and then um i watched the cameo fest of uh the sixth episode of mandalorian with jack black lizzo <laughs> and doc brown yep yep who's not in and? it enough <laughs> anyway keith did so, you watch um, or read anything i didn't but we didn't make it out to see the banksy land exhibit in kansas city over the weekend Ooh, and Which how was, was that? It was really cool. I, I don't know a whole lot about him. Of course, that's purposeful. and I haven't seen a whole lot of his art, but what was there was really cool. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit. 
and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Allison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. Well, there was one other thing I did. I got a chance to check out uh, the new Big Finish audio, Ronnie Takes on the World Beyond Bannerman Road, which is the uh, continuation, the I guess the uh, spinoff continuation of the Sarah Jane Adventures. And it's also this week's something new two-minute review. All right, here we go. All right, Life on Bannerman Road was always the adventure for Ronnie Chan- Chandra and her friends, a childhood of mystery and wonder, of meeting aliens, time travelers, lost princes, intergalactic robots, and so much more, all along with Sarah Jane Smith. Sarah Jane is gone, childhood ends, everyone grows up eventually, but the story doesn't stop there. When Ronnie and Clyde are reunited, adventure finds them once again ready and waiting to take on the world. This box set is so good and i think that what i really like about this is it takes the next step of you know this is 15 years later this is 15 years after the sarah jane adventures and sarah's gone and ronnie's you know reluctantly sort of stepping into the role the the shoes that she left and i like that there's this element of the Sarah Jane adventure stories in the way that the stories are told or even sort of um, the monsters that they, they face, but there's almost a uh, lifted maturity level of these, which I think works so well, especially since these characters are 15 years uh, older. Um, Angela Mahendra does such a good job. She of course is in each of these stories. Um, uh, Mina Anwar is in only in the middle story, uh, which is just uh, Ronnie and and Gita, and then of course uh, Daniel Anthony, who played um, Clyde, he is in the bookends of the stories. So uh, lots of twists and turns and surprises. Um, ultimately, everything kind of culminates and comes together. There is a thrill through thread at the end, so make sure you listen to all of them. Um, but overall, it's it's a great continuation of the Sarah Jane Adventures, and it's really enjoyable to be revisiting these uh, characters once again. And there you go. That's my uh, two-minute, uh, it's something new, two-minute review. Nice. Yeah, I, I was able to listen to the first two uh, episodes in the box set and wholeheartedly agree. The first, I really, really liked the first episode and even got a little verklempt a couple of times. Yeah, when they're, yeah. They're talking about Sarah Jane and, you know, because they're carrying on from the, the lockdown farewell Sarah Jane Smith uh, story that they had done. Um, so, you know, they talk about the funeral and all that stuff. So it got a little <laughs> emotional while listening to it. But the story itself was good. And I really enjoyed part two. So I'm looking forward to listening to part three. There's a, there's some surprises in part three that I did not see coming. And almost glad they left it where they left it. So, <laughs> And obviously mm. there's already another one. Uh, I think I saw they, they've already got another one in the works. So there's more to come. I can't wait to listen to it. 
you are invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire universe on shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. All right, well, let's talk about some news. Yeah, it was announced this week that Murray Gold is returning to give us his score for the new series. Is anyone surprised? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, when uh, I hadn't seen this until Sean sent us the link the other day when they announced it, and it's, I was a little underwhelmed, not by the fact that I don't care that much about Murray Gold, because I do. I think he's done some terrific stuff. Although, I do think that the last few seasons of Doctor Who, I don't think the music was inventive, and it almost felt like he was dialing it in a little bit, because there are some early seasons that there's some really great, uh, themes in there and they're just ones that you remember and go to all the time and i can't remember any particular ones from the last three seasons that he did that would just stand out in my head so so i think he was i think that was sort of waning and that was part of the reason that he went away but it wasn't even so much the fact that it wasn't even that it was more of a i almost felt like i expected this to be the news i mean they were mm-hmm. bringing everybody back from the russell t davis era um, so I, I kind of expected that this would be one of those, um, uh, guys that would come along as well. One of the things I found interesting is when I, when you first read this article, it really never says that he's coming back for the series proper. It it's says true. that he's coming back, that he's coming back for the specials, but, or for the 60th anniversary. But I think, uh, if I remember right later in the day, Russell tweeted, RTD tweeted that, that he would, he Something to the effect of looking forward to him uh, pinning the first series of of Shooty's uh, Doctor as well. So it sounds like it is longer than just the specials. I kind of, I didn't realize that that article had only specified that it was going to be the trilogy of specials. Um, I just assumed when I saw the news that it was, oh, he's just back. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And kind of just assumed he was going to be back. I also am a little torn on that because I, I agree with everything you said, Glenn, that you know, obviously I am the doctor and, uh, you know, some of those just sheer iconic soundtracks that, uh, that go along. But he also has a, a, a wide range of just kind of their incidental music. Um, and I seem to remember complaining quite a bit about the sound mix on some of those episodes where the music was too loud. Well, that's not, that's uh, not him. <laughs> that's not him. You can't, but, you can't uh, put that on him. That's on, that's on the uh, You could, depending on what it is. I mean, if, if you well, no, if a it's, bombastic no, piece no, of music. No, no matter, what it, no, no matter what it is, what it is, the mixer, the person that's mixing the episode is at fault, not the composer of the music. You, there, you shouldn't be restrained by those bombastic uh you know, elements if they're not mixed correctly with the episode. So I will not allow you to disparage him for the, the poor mixing. mixing. <laughs> unless the episode didn't call for a bombastic score at that particular time. I disagree. But it's at still, any rate. It's still down to the mixer. Yeah, it's still down to the mixer. Okay, well, 
I, I, I retract the statement just to prevent an <laughs> argument. Um, but, you know, on the one hand, yes, I'm very happy to have him back because he wrote such great stuff. And maybe now that he's uh, been away for a bit and well-rested, you know, he can kind of come back and, and hit it with new vigor. At the same time, I don't know that I want him to stick around for a whole season. I don't know. Because that, in some ways, just feels like more of the same. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, for RTD to promise us, oh, it's going to be great, we've got all new stuff, we've got this, but then there's been a lot of more of the same. Oh, we're getting David Tennant back. Oh, is, you know, <laughs> Russell T's back. Oh, Murray Gold's back. Okay. I mean, it's kind of like, we've already done that, but I'm willing to reserve judgment. Yeah. It's Doctor Who. It'll be good. And really, for as much as, you know, they made a big to-do about... Uh, Sigan Ekinola coming back. I didn't really pay that after the announcement and then the opening theme. I didn't really pay that close up attention to the music the rest of the of, uh, Jody Whitaker's run. So, I, I was kind of the same way. I wasn't really kind of blown away by that music of her era. Same. But I also agree with what you said, Glenn, that post Clara's theme, I can't name a single piece of music that uh, Marie Gold did after that. On the other hand, we haven't had a chance to uh, listen to much of Series 10 because they never released a soundtrack. Come on, BBC. Well, there you go. All right, well, let's move on to our next bit of news. Uh, Titan Comics has announced that uh, Missy will be involved in the two-part Doomsday comic that they are doing as part of the Doomsday multi-platform story, which is launching on July 5th. Is it Did two... we not know that already? Is it two parts? It's only two parts, according to this article. Oh, I thought it was only one. A, I thought it was a one two issue. two-issue comic series. Oh, okay. I I just read Doomsday one, so I didn't see I didn't see a number two. I guess I could, should have assumed from number one that there would probably be a number two, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of surprised it's only a two-issue run. Actually, yeah. I figured it'd be at least a four-issue run. Maybe they're going to be supersized. I don't know. This is our first Doomsday release, I believe. When it comes is this, out. yeah, July 5th. That's, so that, is that going to be, well, as far as we know, that's our first release. Yeah. Um, it's the first announced release. Yeah, as I say, something could sneak in. I guess I meant chronologically. This is certainly, definitely our first announced release. Um, yeah. But, or officially announced release. But I guess, I suppose something could pop up that ends up before july 5th but it looks like maybe july 5th will be the first kind of launching everything off with the titan comic which is kind of what they did with the um time lord victorious event as well they started there with the comic yeah i think yeah it's exciting they don't say much about doom herself and it makes me a little worried that they have to use missy uh, to <laughs> Missy returns for Titan Comics and Doomsday, and I think, well, okay, maybe because we already got the big announcement that Doomsday is coming, uh, maybe this is they like needed something else. Yeah, they needed something new, and and hey, and by the way, Missy's going to be in one of these as well. So I, I just hope it doesn't come down to a we, we're stunt casting in order to make this thing more interesting too. Well, Titan did a good job with their Missy writing previously. So no, absolutely. To, yeah, absolutely. I'm to let it slide because they did such a good job before. Who did it say is writing this one? Oh, it's Jody Hauser. Jody Hauser. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's in good hands for sure. I just went yeah. up in my estimation. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right. Well, that's exciting. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I'll make sure that uh, Sean gets that on our schedule. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and one more piece of news. Um, Doctor Who Worlds Apart, and that's the uh, TCG game, the online one that we talked a little bit about last weekend. I was able to sit in on their um, Q&A this morning. They had a live streaming Q&A on YouTube this morning. And uh, for the most part, was just uh, here and there some questions. You were able to ask some uh, mechanics of the game, some of the new cards that were coming out, how legacy cards worked, so on and so forth. But one of the things that I got out of this morning that they were able to announce was that there is a mobile version of the game coming. So you will not be tied to your computer uh, in order to play this. If you have the app that uh, presumably is coming soon, you'll be able to play your uh, Star Wars TCG uh, worlds apart cards on the mobile app as well so pretty interesting news there and uh, sounds like that's uh, coming along even more so they all say who is doctor who? do you collect doctor who do you have doctor who items and you don't know you collect doctor who for all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Rusbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With popular features like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, we have a lot of fun. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Network podcast. All right, well, should we move on to our review? Um, just a reminder, we are doing uh, right now what is uh, commonly called Season 6B of the Second Doctor era. And this is the uh, era that takes place between his presumed regeneration at the end of the War Games and all of these events are taking place between that and Spearhead in Space where the, he actually regenerates into the Third Doctor. So this is our... Uh, well, let's see. Are we going to do... How do we do these? Because I had them on the schedule one way, and then I read them and decided that maybe they needed to go another way. But I, I almost they need to go the other way. <laughs> you think that they need to go the opposite of what, what I have here? Yes. Okay. So let's do uh, Beyond War Games, The Final Beginning, and Wrath of the Ice Warriors first, and then we'll save the short story for a later. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The Second Doctor Adventures, Beyond War Games. You have been content merely to observe the evil in the galaxy. I have been fighting against it. Jenny, sorry, don't forget me. I just got trapped here, like you. Exterminate! Uh, hello? Oh! Who are you? Oh! What a big gun you've got! I see. You mean, I'll cease to exist? As you are now. Are you or are you not the doctor that I met during the Yeti business? Is this your ship? Uh, well, no. I suppose not. This planet was slap bang in the middle of our warp conduit. Curious. You're telling me. I'm not James Bond, you know! Is your communication device? Can you hear me all right? Loud 
the attack run. Bombard the surface. Is this your new uh, companion? I'm no one's companion, thank you very much. The TARDIS is uh, mm, temperamental like that. <laughs> and at the moment, I'm, uh, well, <clears throat> not exactly a free agent. Are you receiving Great Dane One? Greyhound, Doctor. Oh, oh, I do beg your pardon. Big finish for the love of stories. Before Earth, before Unit, before Exile, the Second Doctor enters into a dangerous bargain in return for his freedom. Believing he has escaped exile and ch a change to his appearance, the Time Lords... By the Time Lords, the Doctor finds himself lost in a snowy alien world. He is not alone. Prospectors Katrona and Silas are stranded in this nightmare planet, but without his TARDIS, the Doctor is powerless to help them. Seeking answers and freedom, the Doctor hopes and suspicions are aroused when a crashed TARDIS is discovered in the snow. Are Katrona and Silas as innocent as they seem? And who is Raven, the young woman who watches from afar? Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yep. <laughs> Um, who wants to go first? Sean, well, I will. I, I, I'll, I'll start because I, I kind of feel like maybe you guys liked it more than I did. <laughs> um, I did like it, um, but I don't know that I loved it. Um, anytime you get into a, oh, it was all a mindscape uh, kind of setting, I worry a little bit. And some of that was present here even though it was later revealed that oh we actually are on scarrow but it's not quite the scarrow that we know and are familiar with although that is also kind of explained due to the events of the previous uh you know second doctor adventure which i don't think we've reviewed that one have we mm -hmm. we have we have okay. Wait, you it's mean by previous? You mean you mean when I say previous, uh, evil I mean of the, the Daleks, evil of the Daleks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, have. that is that one. Mm -hmm. It was the animated so, one that we recently did. I guess I don't remember the, the the Emperor blowing up or dying or doing whatever the Emperor did at the end. It's <laughs> the end. It's kind it of was the, big, like the final big, shot, wasn't it? That was kind of the big finale. That was a big climax of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting I'm getting old, so a lot of this is starting to blur together. <laughs> Um, I okay, so I'll, 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 I'll leave that alone then. Um, yeah, no, I, I liked the side characters uh, and was kind of upset at the <laughs> casual offing uh, that, that resulted there. That, that, that didn't sit well. Um, it also kind of brought to mind how frequently the second Doctor was put in the snow. <laughs> which seems to the coat. Yeah, seems seems like a lot. Uh, but uh, uh, overall, I think it was a, a good start to the box set. It just didn't quite nail everything as strongly as I hoped. Um, Patrick Troughton has a certain rhythm and cadence and tone quality to his voice when he's playing the Doctor. And Michael Troughton nails it most of the time. Mm -hmm. At least the warm, friendly second doctor. He's great at that. And I suspect maybe it's because that was the dad that he grew up with, you know, mm -hmm. when he was home. 
But the second doctor also has a low, concerned, oh, oh, kind of, there's a lot more gravitas to it, um, uh, the part of his persona, that I think Fraser Hine does a much better job of in the audios that we've heard him kind of doing um, the doctor. And there were many instances where whatever line was delivered felt like maybe it should have been a little lower, a little more serious, a little more dramatic. And instead we kind of got the, Oh yes, off we go. Uh, kind of, I don't want to say happy go lucky, but it was a much lighter mm -hmm. touch to it. Um, so that pulled me in and out of the story a little bit, but beyond that, um, I, I think he nailed it, uh, personality wise. I thought his um, anger at the Time Lords over Silas at the end, uh, I thought that captured Trout the Troughton-esque fairly well. Yeah, and I think it's because the, the, the second Doctor tends to, his voice goes up when he, he's angry because he starts talking faster, and uh, and so the pitch changes a little bit there. But Yeah. I, I would agree with you, Sean. I think that the, I, I think the cadence, and I think the... Um, the the cadence and the rhythm of yeah, his second doctor works really well. Um, I would agree tonally it's just slightly off most of the time, except for I think, and it may just be me getting used to the character, but I think by the second box set I didn't notice it anymore. Like almost he had gotten more comfortable in the role, and I think he did do some more of those lower, more concerning to tones uh, that he does. But one of the things that I found fascinating is I recently went back and listened to um, uh, Fraser Hines do the Doctor in an audio uh, that he was doing as, as him and Jamie, and his lower tones are spot on. But when he does the more excited, more up-cadence uh, doctor, he doesn't quite nail it there. So it's almost like if you could take Michael Troughton and Fraser <laughs> Hines and put them together, you'd have the exact yeah, sound Trouton. of Patrick Troughton. Yeah. So, uh, well, no. somebody get on that. We want you to record the script, but only this half of <laughs> right, it. Right. <laughs> only these sections. <laughs> only these words. Um, and so, and I, I know what you, I know where you're coming from on this one, but I think that this one's the, the first story. And I think the reason why it's so much shorter than the second story is because I think McFinish felt the need to really lean into the season two B element, because while they have done stories that have been later placed rather by then our fans uh, into season six B they initially were staying kind of clear of that era. And in fact, Telecon Prime, which we're going to be listening to later, makes a mention about Victoria that is the same place that she's been left when they when uh, in the two doctors, when uh, the second doctor tells Jane, mentions to Jamie about dropping Victoria off somewhere uh, for studying something. I don't remember what it was. So they were implying with those lines that this would would be at the time that they were traveling with Victoria and that they had just temporarily dropped her off. Although other things that surround the elements of those don't work with that era. So that's why they, they squarely come in back into uh, uh, season 6B. But I think this was Big Finish's leaning into. And 
the reason why, and we're we're going to get to it here at the end or towards the end of this episode, but I think the reason why I went back and forth on swapping this story with the other story that we're going to review, the the short story that we're going to review, is I kind of feel like one works better than the other, and uh, but I think I kind of need to wait till we talk about the short short story before we get to that. But I like the concept of Raven being this kind of mysterious agent that is sort of her his warden i suppose would be the the best example or the best best descriptor for her uh watching over her his handler or his handler yeah watching over him and you know guiding him on whatever missions he needs to be on um although it's not made clear once we get to this next one why the time lord sent them unless you guys picked up on something that i didn't that wasn't really clear as to why he ended up in this next one other than this is, as uh, Nicholas uh, Courtney says in the behind-the-scenes stuff, this was just the best way to do basically the second Doctor Adventures. When they decided they wanted to do second Doctor Adventures, this was a good place to put it because you kind of have a clean slate in a way. And th- it really, this next the next story really just feels like a second Doctor story. It doesn't really feel <laughs> like it necessary. And I think a lot of stories between now and, and when we're done with Season 6 beer will be the same, but... Uh, because they're obviously not going to be some sort of through arc. It's just a way to to wedge in some more stories uh, into uh, the Doctor's timeline. But but I, I know what you mean about kind of the um, the dreamy dreamscape sort of element of things. And it, are we really here? Are we not? Is this you know? Is this real? Is this real? Is this not? You know? I kind of understand what you meant. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good, and and I think it does a nice job of of framing where the Doctor is and what his predicament is now that he is in between exile and uh, regeneration. I liked all the season six B stuff of this story, and I liked Silas, and I liked Katrona, and I liked all of, you know, the mystery of him trying to figure out what's going on and how he, oh, he escaped, so now he's got to get out of here, and all, all of that stuff I really liked, and then the Daleks become involved, and <laughs> they don't do anything. There's no exploration of how are the Daleks coming back. They just are. And it feels like if you're going to do a sequel to Evil of the Daleks and explain and have the Daleks come back from that with the Emperor Dalek, have tell me how the Daleks are coming back and have the Emperor Dalek come back through that. It just felt like it was a half attempt of, oh, okay, they're, they're just back because of some weird timey-wimey stuff. Okay. Yeah, they just, just are. It, so, it, I wanted more from that aspect of the story. Everything else I thought was fantastic. So I hope I'm right with this assumption, but I think that maybe that 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 was purposefully done because I think I wonder if maybe we're going to get on more. the post credit scene. It seems like it. Well, yes. uh, yeah, and I think that they feel like they're going to do more with the Emperor Dalek and the Daleks, and I think that the 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 writers and Big Finish sort of feel like they need to maybe connect some dots between the Daleks that we get later in the, in the series and these Daleks, because there's really kind of this weird gray area that nobody's, there's been um, books. In fact, about time tries to explain some of the inconsistencies and and things that are happening, but I think maybe they're going to try to kind of connect the dots and, and, fill in some of the inconsistencies in the Dalek stories from, you know, the, the first three doctors eras and sort of make them work maybe a little better without having to hand wave and do some timey-wimey. I hope that's where we're going with it. And like you said, from the cliffhanger of, 
of the wand, I think that that was sort of implied that, that we were going to involve the Daleks even more. Not to mention Nicholas Courtney's pretty much what directing and overseeing this second Doctor Adventures, so he he's there. They might as well utilize him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you, Nicholas Briggs is the producer and script editor. Briggs, not and, Nicholas Courtney. Sorry, yeah. Nicholas Briggs. Nobody corrected me. I knew what you meant. I knew what you meant too, but now that you say it, I was yeah. Well, I guess technically we do have a director. What sounds like Nicholas yeah, Courtney right, in that right. too. So in the, in the next one. <laughs> well, should we move on to the next one? Wrath of the Ice Warriors. Plunged into the middle of a desperate mission by his new masters, the doctor is delighted to be reunited with Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart of Unit, near Cape Wrath, Scotland. The Doctor's arrival coincides with the sighting of black cylinders in the sky and an attack on a trawler by a creature of the sea. The Doctor quickly realizes he's dealing with ice warriors and investigates with the help of the Brigadier and local crofter, Sheena Flynn. With a space fleet lurking in the vicinity of Jupiter, the Doctor believes the Martians are planning a new invasion of Earth. But who is the true enemy? Bum, bum, bum. Yep. I really liked this one. I really like, yeah. I like this one specifically because this just they've nailed a second doctor adventure in my opinion. Um yeah. it's, it's certainly not base under siege which <laughs> would have made it really feel like a second doctor story but um in it's it's fan- a second doctor story but with modern sensibilities. Yeah, too. exactly. No, you're you're absolutely right. Um I think the inclusion of the brigadier is just wonderful i think what is missing from the second doctor's era is more brigadier because i really enjoy the second doctor and uh lethbridge stewart together i think that they they Mm -hmm. work off of each other i think even better than the third doctor and uh the brigadier do and so it's always they almost get along better yeah and it's always it's 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 enjoyable well and i think it's because the brigadier i think feels like he has more authority or control over this incarnation of the doctor than he does the third incarnation of the doctor. I think they, you know, they go to loggerheads more than these two, but it's Mm. more because the second doctor sort of makes the brigadier think he's in charge or think he's coming up with, you know, solutions or, or, and so I think that's what works so well in their, in their dynamic. But um, I, I have to ask when, I don't, I'm sure nobody else thought this, but when at the beginning of this thing, when there's something coming up out of the sea, (laughs) And they're, you know, they're pulling it up with this trawler. My initial thought was, oh, good, they've brought back the Merca. And then it occurred to me that, no, that's the Silurians and the Sea Devils. That is not. (laughs) Ice Warriors, I've completely crossed crossed species here. But I got so excited that we were going to get into the Merca story, and it wasn't. But I I did not think that at all. (laughs) I did not think Merca. I did think Sea Devil. Hmm. I don't know why. Just you know, water. Okay, yeah. <laughs> just, we're totally doing sea devil. And then I had to remind myself, no, it's an ice warrior story. Yeah. And we know that from the title. So <laughs> their names right. in the title. I'm pretty sure the ice warriors are going to be in this one. Yeah. It's it's kind of like if your story says of the Daleks, I'm going to go out on a limb. There's I bet the Daleks are in it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah. No. I. I think especially building off what I remember my first Patrick Troughton experience being was the five doctors. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I kind of became aware that there was who before who. 
uh, <laughs> being introduced to Tom Baker. And uh, so, so seeing Patrick Troughton and how warm and friendly he is with the Brigadier and they're, they're just, he, he's the, the brig is so grateful to see him and Troughton really leans into that. And they, they just have this absolute wonderful rapport. And then you go through the Patrick Troughton era and you discover, nope, there was only two. And it just seems like, really? There had to have been more there. So I love the fact that this takes that leap and brings them back together again. And I absolutely agree that he, that the second Doctor gets along with, with Lethbridge Stewart much better than the third Doctor. And I don't know if that's because of the time frame and that Lethbridge isn't quite as mired in the uh, inner workings of, of creating unit and, uh, you know, being stuck with all the weirdness and then getting the doctor there. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. I, I thought maybe I'd lost you there for a minute. Um, there was a weird noise on my end. Um, or if it's because the, the, the third doctor just kind of, he's still salty about being stranded and he's trying to make the best of a bad situation. And, Oh, Lethbridge Stewart is here. Oh, all right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, but personality wise, the second doctor very much seems to genuinely like Lethbridge Stewart. Whereas the third doctor seems to just kind of tolerate him. Uh, And they have that cantankerous uh, relationship. So I love the fact that we got more and I hope we get more adventures uh, uh, set you know, like this, um, where he gets to come back and do some more stuff with him. Well, and for the most part, the second doctor's still a free agent as far as the unit goes. But once he's stranded yeah. on Earth and he sort of becomes scientific advisor, he becomes he's on the payroll. So mm-hmm. <laughs> suddenly, it's it's not a free agency anymore. Well, and he's still bristling from you know pushing back against authority after being forced to be stranded and yeah have his appearance changed so the third doctor is you know not being as friendly with the brigadier makes sense because he doesn't want to be there he's mad at authority for doing this to him and so he's going to take it out on the authority around him which is the brigadier yeah right and the second doctor doesn't have that so we get a nice friendship between the two of them did anybody suspect the um the gal uh Sheena Flynn, did you anybody sus- suspect that she was in cahoots with? I do like the fact that the the one ice warrior you think is the bad guy is not the bad guy. Yeah, that was a bit of yeah. a of a turn, which I enjoyed. But for some reason, I had the Sheena Flynn the way that she was the way that she was acting around wanting to be everywhere and placing herself in every situation something rubbed me the wrong way so that I wasn't quite surprised when the doctor reveals that she, that's the reason why she had gotten the coordinates and had them read and and to write them down or had him write them down so that she could take them to different coordinates. Uh, When he reveals that, I thought, aha, okay, well, I sort of saw that coming, but maybe that was just me. I don't know. No, as, as with the doctor, when he saw the pictures of Mm. the sketch drawings, yeah, I started suspecting her that something wasn't quite right and that she, there was something going on with her. So I, I, I picked up on it too. I did not. 
um, maybe just because I really liked Sheena as a character. Um, but I, I, I didn't when it when when the when the turn happened, I wasn't surprised. Maybe a little disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you are the bad guy. Okay, but she was kind of an unwitting participant in it, so uh, you know. Well, in it, the end, yeah. all was forgiven. It, but it, it's, it's, I, I like where they went with her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those characters that you can be sympathetic for, you know, because she did think, ultimately, she thought she was doing the right thing. She thought she was helping, you know. Uh, she said she'd worked with refugees, um, you know, back in her past, and this is what this, this felt like. And she completely believed that they were going to go to, you know, some sort of authority and, and try to uh, seek refuge, you know, so... I have to believe Zalandra too, or Zalanda mm-hmm. too, when yeah. she was going on and what she was trying to go after. I, I, I have believed her on her story until you know, obviously, she did that turn too. <laughs> which she just kept getting meaner and meaner. <laughs> <laughs> Once they got to the ship, it was like, okay, yep, yep, <laughs> yep. That's how that's gonna go. All right. Yeah. And in the back of my head, the whole time, I thought, <laughs> at this point, there is nobody on Mars. Why are they going to Mars? <laughs> Well, and, and I that, was glad I was justified. In my, I, I'm, what do you do with? I'm impressed that you thought of that because I didn't. I thought, okay, well, because recently we'd had the uh, story in the, I guess it was the Twelfth Doctor's era where the British were on Mars and they were digging into but that. They were Victorian. Yeah, it was Victorian. But see, that's just it because that was you forgot that they because were, that was more recent. I had forgot about when the placement of that was, and so uh, when. That he they got there and he was saying that you know you've been in stasis for a long time i thought oh yeah that's right obviously there would not be any ice warriors or martians on the moon uh and i i'm so glad that they they addressed the the elephant in the room that they are they're not ice warriors i mean they they are from our perspective they are from the the doctor's perspective but when she kept saying why you know why are we called why is he calling us ice warriors but ultimately they're martians and that's what they are so i like that they addressed that too uh but anyway yeah so uh it didn't occur to me until that was said and then it I, i sort of had remembered okay well wait a minute this story that i'm thinking of that was more recent actually was set further back in the past so it doesn't you know it does work so i'm I'm impressed that you thought of that ahead of time i didn't think about it until it was revealed but which i mean we're supposed to think about that story i think because it is an empress of mars and that was the empress of mars also so i mean i think they were trying to to pull on that recollection and you know try to pull a fast one on us a little bit did anybody realize it was Katie Manning until until I the <laughs> until the behind the scenes? No, until <laughs> the credits. No, yeah, was... I didn't either. Oh yeah, it was I guess it was the credits when they said Katie Manning. Yeah, I was shocked by that. I was like, oh wow, that did not sound like Katie Manning at all. Great job, yeah. <laughs> good acting. Yeah, when you get into the when you get into the behind the scenes stuff and you hear Katie Manning doing it, yeah, then you hear knowing it. that it's Katie Manning, then it's like. Oh yeah, okay. But before that, not even a little bit. Yeah, she impressed. I mean, she leans into it. It's a bit scenery chewing, but I, that's kind of what this needs. That's I mean, a nice that, warrior. Is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is so in the character for this empress too. So. And, yeah, and, I this really nailed the whole second Doctor vibe. Yeah. of a second Doctor adventure to the point where, as much as I was enjoying it. I felt like it was about one episode too long. 
like, no, like, like it, was it was winding fine. things up nicely, and then all of a sudden, what do you mean we're going Mars? To Mars? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was too long, but I really did get duped thinking, okay, this is almost wrapping up. Oh, wait, we're going to Mars? So apparently that's my problem with the second Doctor era is as much as I enjoy them, I apparently tune out before I get to the end, which is why I don't remember the Emperor blowing up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you mean we're going to Mars? <laughs> I, I do feel like the resolution was a bit easy of, yeah. you know, Scar and Brigadier coming to the rescue. That all felt, oh, and, and it makes sense. But, but they it was telegraphed also... it to us early on yeah. because the Brig makes mention of the Mars expedition that's getting ready to take off. Which he, I assume he makes he's talking about uh, the ambassadors from space, right? Or what is that episode title? Wasn't that Mars based? Not that they were going to Jupiter. Was it Jupiter? I thought that was Jupiter. Ambassadors of Death. I don't know that they revealed where they came from. I think they were just. I don't. I don't remember where the astronauts. I don't remember where. That's the, what I thought of when he was referencing it, anyways. He, no, I, th- I, th- I thought they were out by Jupiter for some reason, but. So <laughs> of course, th- as much as I wanted to give that a fist bump, it's like you know, Brigadier to the rescue, yay! Does anybody else now have a little bit of a timeline glitch in their head where Lethbridge Stewart has been to space? That seems <laughs> he, he, he weird. Should have, he should swallow a lot of this stuff in this, the third Doctor's era oh, so much easier now. Yeah. Story. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if this is set in the you know, established canon, as it were, now all of a sudden there's so much of Lethbridge Stewart that you're like, dude, you've been to Mars. <laughs> and done with Martians. It was thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah, I would agree. And Coleslaw yeah. does a, just does a spot on Brigadier. I know we've... We've had him in uh, that, uh, oh, that special that we listened Legacy to. Legacy of Time. Yeah, Legacy of Time uh, last year, two years ago. And so we heard him in that. But, yeah, he's just there. I I would swear that that was Nicholas Courtney. I would, if you oh, yeah. if you told me that was Nicholas Courtney, I would 100% believe you that he that was him. And I do think Michael Troughton settles into the role a little bit more in this yeah. story. So we've got one more on the tray, and now I can quickly say why. <laughs> I, I'm back and forth on this one because, and and the more that we talked about this one, the more I think that this actually probably fits between these two. And the reason I say that is because I think that initially this the 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 story uh, that we're referring to is in the uh, Target Storybook, which is a collection of short stories featuring all well let's see 14 doctors up to that point because there's a, even a war doctor story in there i believe and uh <laughs> this is terence dick i predicts i presume was his last story he wrote before he died because i think this book came out in 2019 and so or maybe it was 2017 i can't remember anyway it's it's been relatively recent and he wrote this story and of course terence dicks was the first one to acknowledge the uh, of the official uh group or core of, of Doctor Who people was the first one to acknowledge that season 6B was a thing so much so that the BBC dedicated a web page to it which you could still find <laughs> to this day um, but anyway so he I think was attempting to even more clarify how this works and I really like the idea of the Doctor being sent 
on these missions and essentially coming back and having completely forgot that he had made a deal and had been done doing this before. And the, re the, the revelation at the end of this where, uh, you know, he, he's made a deal. Okay. But just one time I'll do this one time for you. <laughs> and of course, not realizing that he's already done this dozens of more times. I almost feel like this sort of fits in the middle here. And I can almost rectify that each time, although this isn't going to be the case, but I have a few, I, I like each time he doesn't remember who Raven is. And I would love that if they could be able to do that with this second That'd doctor series, it would be very clever, but I don't see them doing this, but I could easily imagine that being the case where he's continually going back and making this deal to do one mission for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did. What I don't like about it is I don't like dipping back in the well of the, the war chief again. And it, it almost seemed unnecessary to bring the war no not the war chief the uh, warlord back i thought it almost felt unnecessarily to do that but as uh jamie uh listener to the show jamie reminded me um and i forgot to bring this up when we were talking about war games uh they actually the warlords actually make another appearance and the war chief make another appearance in one of the time worm uh, stories the one that um, I think Revelation time time worm Revelation where um, the one it's the one that Terrence Dix wrote and so they they show back up in that and their mechanicians uh, are cause uh, the Nazis to actually invade um, Britain at the time it's a really good book of the time worm series that's definitely the best book of those but anyway. Then again, Terrence Dick, so he has an affinity for the <laughs> for the warlords. Um, that part I think was was completely unnecessary, but I think to frame the idea of how these missions work for for season six B, I think that was a, a a clever clever idea. The clever idea of it is it can fit anywhere you want it to. Yes, because he doesn't remember the previous missions or the future missions that he's going to do. You can slip the story anywhere you want. So that. Yeah. The fact that he made it so that they kept wiping his memory every time is really clever. So he could do a bunch of missions with Raven and then be sent off to this guy and have his memory wiped of Raven in those missions and go on who knows how many and then go on to the next thing. Well, I suppose that's true because he doesn't necessarily have to have his memory wiped between each mission. He could have his, like, he goes off with Raven and has these set of adventures and then anything that doesn't work with the second Doctor adventures that don't that doesn't quite match up you always have this story as your reference point as to why he doesn't remember you know a, a story that maybe somebody had forgot to connect so i i kind of like yeah. that idea yeah that's a good point yeah he, he just had a memory wipe in between this one and that one right, to uh, right. to explain it away yeah that's it's good the ultimate canon fix good thought <laughs> thank like you that. terrence yes thank you uncle terrence uncle terrence <laughs> and, and you know it's I was going to say the the warlord aspect of it, it. It it I kind of agree with you that it felt unnecessary. Uh, I of course I didn't think the warlord lived after what they did, but obviously. Sorry, go ahead. No. Well, the war the warlord didn't. You you I'm like, I'm going to revisit or the that. war chief. This the is war the war chief. chief. Yeah, this is no. This is the warlord. The war okay. chief is the one we presume got away. That that Sean has always that thinks is the master. Yeah, has always conceded <laughs> that it was the master. The warlord was the guy with the round speckles that they did dematerialize 
presumably, although this is that's that's the the catch of this story is that they only thought that they did. He was intercepted by his own people and rescued. And so and I think if I remember right, it's been a while since I've read the uh, Time Warm book, but um, I think that was sort of the same premise there as well, is that he had been received right before he uh, was, I guess, wiped from time or existence or whatever they do to him. So you're you're right. That's that is the events that happen in the the war games. He is. We see that on screen. He does. He fades out of existence, and. Uh, so having the warlord come back for this story felt a little unnecessary when they could have had anybody else the war pose chief? a threat to... <laughs> yeah, war yeah. Chief, <laughs> bring the war chief back. To, I mean, that's the one you left ambiguous. The, the threat to Karn could have easily been the war chief because he might, you know, if especially if he thinks, you know, the sacred flame is essential for regeneration, he could go and try to, you know, take control of the sacred flame in order to rule Gallifrey. I mean, that would be a... It's very a much in the decent... Master's M.O., too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different avenues he could have taken. Of course, it could have potentially needed to be a longer story at that point, but that's all right. Yeah. I enjoyed what he written, wrote and would have liked a little bit more, actually. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, what's funny with this is, is, is reading it. Um, the framing device is cool. The story within the framing device is a little weak for the aforementioned reasons. And I had kind of made up my mind after finishing it that, well, this isn't canon. This is not going to be part of my head canon. I, I, I don't need this story to work. But it's Terrence Dix. And so automatically it gets a little more street cred than, yeah. <laughs> than maybe it should. Because, you know, it's Uncle Terrence. And if he says it, well you got to kind of go with it. And so I like the way that you've retconned it for me that, oh, this is just the in-between zip and done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I can live with that. Good job, Keith. Well, Terrence did it for us. I mean, <laughs> it's all right well, there on the page. Yeah, but... I just pointed it out. Sean and I both read it, and, <laughs> and so well done pointing it out for us, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else on this story? There's not much to say about it. I mean, it's just a quick eight-page story, and really, the the framing around it, I think, is what's clever about it. The the, the warlord is incidental, in in, in my opinion. But um, yeah, I like the 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 bookends of the story. I think is very clever. It did make Agreed. me wonder about the time frame of Karn. Like, was uh, Morbius there somewhere? Uh, I sort of it's... wondered too because uh yeah I I'm Morbius this could have, of course you know he was living uh in what was the the guy that was Solomon him. yeah Solomon was yeah. Kind, they were kind of living in hermitage there for for a while uh before the and, doctor and, you know, shows maybe up so Solomon hadn't shown up yet yeah that's possible too yeah Maybe Solomon was running an Airbnb before his thoughts turned to, <laughs> to, to evil genetics and, and head transplants. Maybe so. I'm surprised there's not more stories where they are threatening. We've, we've had two in the last three, two months, uh, but I'm surprised we haven't had m more stories where they're threatening the uh, eternal flame. Yeah. It is kind of ironic that we've now had two in 
<laughs> as many months. <laughs> Man, if I had a nickel for every time somebody went after the sacred flame, <laughs> I'd have a pair of nickels, but it's odd <laughs> that it's happened you twice. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 13, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time Ram. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories. So you don't have to. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex. All right, Sean, well, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up next on the program, we dive back into the Time War with Gallifrey, Time War 3, all four stories in that box set. And then we will go to uh, our continuing 60th anniversary tie-ins with a story that doesn't really tie in, City of the Damned. It just happens to be the next comics uh, set in the lead-up to the, the Beep the Meep stuff. And a completely unrelated story that has nothing to do with that, but is part of the 60th simply because it's the new Doctor. The first four parts of Liberation of the Daleks. And, of course, if you uh, can follow us at uh, our website, TravelingTheVortex.com, and if you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by uh, clicking on that Patreon link and consider supporting us there. We've got another quiz show up. This time, Sean takes the mic as your quiz host, your quiz master, and has 10 more questions for you. And, uh, you know, when you become a patron of the webcast, you unlock other materials like that. We've got some other audios up there, more coming down the pipeline. And if you can just give $1 a month, that's really all that, that every little bit helps keep the lights on here at uh, Traveling Vortex. Also consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to your podcast. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook and even on TikTok. So if you're tick if you're a TikTok uh, user, you can find us at uh, travel at traveling the vortex. This one's got spaces or underscores, I suppose. Traveling underscore the underscore vortex, I believe is how we're set up. So I'm sure you could just search it and find us there. Anyway, anything else we need to cover before we close this program? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.